Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and this sequel to Weekend at Bernie's sucks. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Lisa Frankenstein, you got to buy it. Build some equity. (laughs) (laughs) And Jeff (laughs) Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I remember the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) So do we, and apparently so so does the filmmaker. All right. Those are all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, I got BJ Colangelo joining us for that review. Should be a fun conversation. You can find more episodes of this podcast. At thefilmcast.com, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. We're going to be talking about some what we've been watching, uh, as well as some weekly plugs before we get to our review. But first, got a few emails. You can always keep the emails coming in to slashfilmcast at gmail.com. And also, by the way, find us online. We're uh, at the Filmcast Pod on YouTube. We're posting videos every week uh, on Instagram at the Filmcast Pod. We're also posting TikToks at the Filmcast. Be sure to check us out at all those locations. And if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can find ad-free episodes and exclusive after arcs. We really appreciate the whole community there that helps to keep this podcast going. All right, let's get to emails. Uh, let's start with this one. This one's an incredible email. All right, this is one This is one for the record. I mean, we already had an all-timer email about birds. I think it was last week, was it? <laughs> Uh, this one is also going to be an all-timer email, not necessarily because the email necessarily is that great, but because of what it contains within. Yeah, you're really Linus. calling a homer before we, yeah, uh, before yeah. we get to the email. Yeah. Yeah. Linus writes into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. I have been a fan of your podcast since discovering it back in 2014 and have been an avid listener each week. Other than being a podcast freak, I like to do lists of films. And so a while back... I got this crazy idea of trying to list every film mentioned on your podcast, more specifically in the What We've Been Watching segment. Oh, no. After months of work, I have compiled the 1,834, give or take a few, uh, films mentioned on your podcast throughout the years, from the culturally relevant Avatar with its five mentions to the obscure shorts mentioned sometime 13 years ago. Arguably, this is a pointless project, and I'm not sure you guys want to see every such compilation of the podcast history, but here it is. And then Linus provides a link to the list on Letterboxd in which uh, all 1,800 plus films are listed. That's that's extraordinary. That's it's extraordinary. Insane. I, wow. There's a part of me that feels a little guilty that somebody <laughs> would utilize the precious hours they have on this planet <laughs> to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... Also, amazing. Any more guilty than the fact that we spent, you know, thousands of hours talking mm-hmm, about these mm-hmm. movies? Mm. You know, this yeah, is no, a real no. thank you question mark move. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank you? Okay. It's great. Our lives are worthless. But this <laughs> this person seems this like this. But now, like now it, you can quantify it and have yeah. it in the database of how worthless the, you know, things we mentioned years ago. So this person seem, seemed like a smart and enterprising individual mm-hmm. and therefore deserved not to have their time wasted. Right, Jeff? Exactly. <laughs> kind of, yeah. She, my question to you, and I, I think I already know Dave's answer, but I, I feel like is Letterboxd the best way to compile this Probably. list? Probably. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I am. I am. I would describe myself as a heavy Letterboxd user. No, that's why I said I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> but are you a Letterboxd patron, Dave? Uh, I'm are a, you a sponsor? What I'm level a, Letterboxd fan are you? I'm a Letterboxd pro, so I pay for the, the paid okay, subscription. Okay. But yeah. Uh, this is great because what's great about Letterbox is, uh, the, first of all, the interface is very uh, pleasing to use. You can see like all of the 
movies laid out with their uh, box art, as it were. Uh, but also, it's very easy to sort. You know, you can sort mm -hmm. by dates, you can sort by list order, you can sort by genre, by decade. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I'm uh, I'm a pretty big fan. You can you can find me on there. I update it every week. Is this, but, I don't really I'm not a Letterbox Pro, nor am I a Letterboxed <laughs> Amateur. Mm. Uh, so my question to you is: Does Letterbox allow you to? do any kind of data analysis like can we look at the average <laughs> rating of the things we've watched or you know any of that stuff that'd be fun i believe so i'm not exactly mm. sure but here uh linus does have some trends uh so all first right. of all oh i like it uh this is the first uh the first episode that linus ever listened to was 2014's episode 298 exodus gods and kings Obviously, classic episode. That's the one that brings the people to the yard. We got yeah. mm -hmm. more listeners from reviewing Exodus, Exodus Gods, Gods, and Kings. Ridley Scott doesn't even remember making that movie, but you know, that episode <laughs> worked out well for us. That Exodus, is the, uh, Gods, and Kings. All right. And then, uh, so that is uh, the WTF with Robin Williams of the film cast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Linus had some interesting observations. Uh, so 1927's Metropolis, oldest movie mentioned on the podcast. Uh, also, according to Letterboxd, uh, you know, Letterboxd has like a their own version of what the highest ranked and lowest ranked movie is on the show. Uh, so any idea, any guess, any random guess as to of all the movies, of all the 1,800 plus movies we've mentioned in the last 10 years, what the most uh, highest rated on Letterboxd movie is and the lowest rated movie on Letterboxd is. Is the this lowest is... rated Exodus Gods and Kings? <laughs> <laughs> uh, lowest rated is 2009's Dragon Ball Evolution. You guys, <laughs> who talked about that? I, yeah, I'm, no. I'm looking your direction, Devendra. Not me. Yeah. It was not it me. It was me. And then uh, according to Letterboxd, the highest rated movie of all the movies we've mentioned is 1985's film come and see uh which wow. i actually recently watched really? because it was announced that it was letterboxd's uh highest rated film one, one of their highest rated films of all time uh i hope to discuss it at some point on the so, movie, what we've been watching exactly, this so. list excludes anything that was a main review on no the no show. i think i think it does everything i think it does yeah it looks like everything yeah. but no tv right because Letterbox is just Letterbox doesn't do TV. I think it also doesn't do like offhanded mentions yes. that weren't in what we've been watching. Yeah. Is, what, is what it really excludes. Is, is my mm -hmm. sense. Like if we just randomly mention a movie right, like right now, uh, you know, uh, Dick's the Musical. You know, if I just mention that, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to talk about that later. But yeah, uh, so it's a terrible example. Yes, that's right. Jeff, thank you. <laughs> the Garbage Pail Kids movie. There, you there go. you go. Um, which is actually. Also, ironically, on the list and therefore terrible. <laughs> also, what you watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> also, what I watched. Uh, uh, so, what uh, other trends that Linus lists here? Uh, 1999's Fight Club is the most popular movie that that was mm. mentioned. I don't what, know how, what, what makes it popular. I think maybe like uh, most, most number people, people watched it. is my yeah. guess. Uh, yeah. is most popular, and then the most obscure film mentioned. Mm. Brock Enright, Good Times Will Never Be the Same. That is a film from 2009. Wow. Brock Enright, Good Times Will Never Be the Same. I don't even know what that is. Um, remind <laughs> me of our, our, our letter writer's name. 
Uh, Linus. 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 Thank you, Linus. Uh, did Linus include any statistics on how long this took him to compile? Mm. No, I don't think he. I would love to know. Linus, it. you need to follow up because this is an extraordinarily <laughs> Herculean oh, uh, task. I think it took him. It looks like he said a month. A month. Like yeah. A, yeah. A month. So, yeah. Well, uh, time to never get back, Linus. But we appreciate it. Thank you. The film with the longest span of time between the first time it was mentioned and the last time it was mentioned. Ooh. Uh, the first time it was mentioned was episode 98. Uh -huh. Last time it was mentioned was episode 752. Wow. Which, by, by the way, just happened. Mm -hmm. Any guess? Th th what, what's a movie that we just mentioned in the last couple months that we might not have mentioned for a while? This was a prominent mention. Um, a movie that resurfaced after yeah, that a long while. Yeah, resurfaced, as it were. Jeff, can I have any guesses there? <sighs> I don't know. I'm not that, coming that up with anything. Resurfaced from the depths of the ocean. Oh, a bit. The abyss. Yeah, the uh -huh. abyss. Yeah. Because, and that's largely because there's been no easy way to access that movie during <laughs> right. the course of the last decade or so. So so, um, so, so, in Letterboxd, he's able to put the when we talked about it, or is this just I think this is just his own, his own observation. Because yeah. yeah. mm -hmm. ah, that's but fascinating data. It would be nice to have that data plus like the episode number, you yeah. know? Like this is why I don't know yeah. if Letterbox was the best way to do it. You know, mm, yeah, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you write the list, you are. I think you're able to put. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. He, he. Actually, I'm sorting it by list. Uh, I'm uh -huh. changing my view of the list, and he is able to. You can sort by. Oh yeah, I see. Uh, which episode number it was on, and it looks like he he went back further than episode two. And uh, list the guests who mentioned 214. it. Two fourteen. Yeah, so list wow. the guests who mentioned it. Yeah, so Linus, uh, incredible, incredible. Okay, work. the film mentioned in the most episodes of the podcast is 2009's very culturally relevant film Avatar. Yeah, uh, that tracks. Five episode mentions plus two main reviews. So, you know. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. certainly yeah. by the metric of film cast mentions, that is right. the most relevant, yeah. uh, culturally relevant film. So, boom. Uh, I will just say, looking over this list, it's uh, depressing. It's a, it's a very <laughs> <laughs> calm yourself, Jeff. Well, it's it's, it's a black like I it, I can look at a specific movie mention. And remember, oh, I remember where I was, you know, and when we recorded mm. that and what we were talking right. what was in the yeah, zeitgeist. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah, I think. I have many reactions to the list, right? Like one of like you, you can just like look over all the box art and just like go mm -hmm. over the vast corpus of all the stuff we have talked about. And I think um, uh, I'll just share like two to three reactions I have. First of all, it's just fun to be reminded of old good movies that you've talked about. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, I yeah. remember when we talked about how to train your dragon for the first time. Um, you know, like uh, the good, the bad, and the weird, salt, you know, like all these movies that I have really enjoy enjoyed in the past looking over the list. Um, the second thing is, second reaction is, wow, there is just a lot of movies here that no one ever talked about again. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. that I have, yes. we mentioned it on the podcast and literally never spoke about it again. And you just feel the weight of how much human effort went yeah. into making this work that just like it's hard to get people to care about things you know uh, conversely there is many works on here that have become classics that are in many people's you know top 10 lists of all time that like are referred to again and again um the, uh, many films here where sequels are still coming out today like avatar the way of water you know like uh so i feel the full weight of both 
uh, poles on the spectrum, right? Like movies that no one has ever talked about again, that like most people, you know, 99% of people listening to this don't know exist. Uh, And then movies that everyone knows exist. And it's just like, uh, it feels sometimes feels like a a thin line separating those, those things. So, uh, and you can find that thin line right here on the film cast. So anyway, yeah. And the so, craziest thing about it is that this is just a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of yes. the things that have been created over that period. Right? <laughs> I know. Right. I know. It's uh, it's incredible. It's incredible to yeah. like contemplate. So anyway. Uh, well, Linus, we really appreciate you making this list and sharing with us. Uh, I will link to this list, or we will link to this list in the show notes uh, so people can enjoy it. But... Yeah, I mean, it's also just like a, a testament to how long we've been doing this. And specifically, specifically, Devendra and I have been with this podcast since the beginning. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, man, some of these things are so old, dude. Like, we have um, not thought about it since like 2009, 2010. There are so Crazy. many yeah. movies on here that I literally haven't thought about since that time, you know, like since, mm-hmm. since this podcast began. Um, like, uh, just, just like looking Hotel at Hotel for Dogs is on here. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing it now. Yeah. I'm just noticing. Uh, uh, Hotel blindness, for Dogs. The 2008 film Blindness. <laughs> I think no about that a lot, actually. Yeah, no one's ever. How bad it was. Yeah. 2008's City of Ember. <laughs> I want to know who who reviewed Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> 2009's directorial. You know what movie I was thinking about recently? You know who directed about... Hotel for Dogs, David? Tell us, Jeff Canada. Thor. Frudenthal. Mm. There you go. It's one of our classic Thor Frudenthal films. The whole Frudenthal oeuvre is <laughs> worth revisiting. You know what movie I was thinking about recently was 2008 films Flash of Genius. Mm-hmm. Mm. You guys ever see that movie? Yeah. yeah. That, that is a movie that I feel like just would not be made today. You know, no. Like it, uh, but Nor 2000... would Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> I, that oh, I those movies are made all the time. <laughs> I don't agree with that. Yeah, that, that is in fact we get more Hotel for Dogs than Flash of Geniuses now. I feel yeah, like... there's going to be a huge uh, Hotel for Dogs esque. You know, there's a dog movie coming out this summer, Jeff. I don't know if you see. Uh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg has that new dog movie coming out. Anyway, is Thor Frudenthal involved? If not, I'm not interested. All right, let's. <laughs> Jeff cannot. Thor probably listens to this podcast. I'm yeah. sorry, and Thor. you are being really mean to Thor, and we're going to get an angry email. And it's going to make us feel bad. So let's just... See, it's a just, hotel. Let's just cut our losses now. But it's Flash. for dogs. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that was before I was on the show. I wasn't even on the show. Uh, anyway, Flash <laughs> of Genius is a Greg Kinnear movie about the invention of the intermittent windshield wiper. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. I honestly think, given what has happened, what has transpired since then about patent trolls and stuff, I actually think Greg Kinnear is the villain in the movie. Uh, but anyway... Really random movie that I was every time I use my intermittent windshield wipers in my car, I think about oh, I remember that Greg Kinnear movie. Anyway, yeah. a movie we talked about in 2008. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you to Linus for that trip down memory lane. And if you want to take a trip down memory lane and look at everything we've reviewed, uh, check out Linus's list on Letterboxd. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, really appreciate Linus putting in that work and sharing that with the, fil- the film cast and the film cast community. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more emails and such right after this. All right, folks, we got a slash film court email that I had to share. Uh, Here is the slash film court. 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Nice. I think that might be one of the best. It's really good bumpers we have. There's layers to it. It's so yeah. good. The the <laughs> Stallone coming at the end. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, thanks to Simon Harris for that music. Sorry if that uh, volume was a little bit loud. I might have miscalibrated that a little bit. So if that blew out your eardrums, I apologize. The Slash Film Court is the somewhat irregular segment where we adjudicate your movie related dilemmas. This week there was one that I felt. I had to get to you because I think it just characterizes I didn't actually forward this to you guys because I wanted to surprise kind of surprise you with it on the podcast. So here it is. This one comes in from Phi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I apologize. Uh, P-H-I writes in. And, you know, now that I mention it, maybe I shouldn't mention their whole name. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to bleep that out. Just bleep those. Yeah, yeah. And I'll bleep that out. Hey, Noah, if you're listening to this, bleep that out. Okay, bleep that out. All right. <laughs> Bleep out, bleep out Fi's last name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Fi writes in, uh, hi, Filmcast. With my friends, I am usually the one they go to when they need a movie recommendation. I take a lot of pride in sharing the films I love with the people I care about. However, I've had a few misfires as of late uh, that I can't help but take personally, and it has me rethinking my strategy for recommendations altogether. <laughs> oh, boy. I recently recommended Infinity Pool and oh boy. Fingernails to my parents, to a couple of friends, <laughs> and the feedback was to not a couple po- of former friends, <laughs> and the feedback was not positive. I was told Infinity Pool was unhinged and deranged. It is, and they did That's not enjoy it, it at all. Yeah, for fingernails, accurate review of that movie. <laughs> for fingernails, they claimed it was so very stupid. He has these in quotes, by the way. So very stupid. I love both these films, and that feedback hit me kind of hard and left me a little embarrassed. (laughs) I know films are entirely subjective, but I wanted to get your opinion on the right approach to recommending films. It's obvious to know your audience uh, and not recommend a terrifying movie to someone who doesn't like horror or violence, but how much weight should I put towards my perception of someone else's tastes Mm -hmm. versus just wanting to recommend a good original film? I personally loved Alex Garland's Men, but I know better than to recommend that to anyone. But I ask myself, why? Could that itself be considered elitist or snobbish if I withhold a film recommendation because I think someone else might be turned off by it? As you can see, these rejections have clearly gotten to my head, and I need your help. What is your process for recommending films to friends and colleagues, and how much mental Mm. calibration do you do for each individual? End quote. Speaking of corpus... <laughs> this guy's corpus is not great. We only have a th- it's only three strong, but you know... I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say uh, misfires happen. That's uh, that's the name of the game. When you when you shoot a recommendation to somebody, like you you really never know. I will say something like Infinity Pool. I will couch that recommendation, being like, "Absolutely, this movie's a little yes. crazy." But if you're into that sort of thing, uh, it's certainly memorable. I, I, and that's I think, how okay, I would pitch it. First of yeah. all, before we even get to that, I just want to say this is one of those emails where every single movie that mentioned made me retreat further into yes. the fetal position. Yep. Right, uh-huh. like that's what I was saying about corpus. The corpus <laughs> is not strong. As here. as the email continues, I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm like, 
Yeah. Marge Simpson covering her face yeah. meme. I don't know, even like, think Alex Garland likes men. <laughs> like, from what I've read about him from what you've that read, movie. From what you've read about him yes, directing he, it. That's he right, he's yeah. specifically talking about the movie. He's like, I don't know, guys. Like, it's out here. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Distancing himself. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it, kind of, it kind of calls into question the whole beginning of the email, which is, my friends come to me for movie recommendations. <laughs> okay. So, so yes. The, the whole premise is a little bit weird. Secondly, I completely agree with Devendra. It is... Basically, movie recommendation malpractice. Yes, to not provide some kinds of caveat. You you cannot throw people in uh, unsullied. Sorry, sorry. You need that context specifically yeah. for a movie like uh, Infinity Pool. Like for yeah. um for fingernails, I think that's completely fine. Like mm-hmm. okay, they don't like finger- fingernails. Is an extremely boring film that Jeff Kanata couldn't finish, <laughs> and, I, and I barely did. You know, like yeah, it's it, it. But if it's like if people don't like it, it's like okay, whatever. Um, but Infinity Pool, that is a movie that like could genuinely be upsetting to people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you need to. So could men, absolutely, sure, absolutely. Yes. Well, yeah. he, well, he knows to not recommend that one, so that's good. Um, but well, I'm just saying, I'm the, just saying, Infinity yeah. Pool, like that is malpractice to not provide yeah. some it caveat or warning or something. Caveat, right? warn. Yes, the here's the thing. It's frustrating to me that our emailer. Uh, you know, sitting here on the court uh, in my robes, <laughs> yes. it's frustrating to me that our emailer gives lip service to know, you know, know your audience, but that's the entire yes. job yes. of yes. review. The that's the entire job of recommending, recommending movies is know your audience, know who you're speaking to. The, the recommendation is someone is not coming to you for a recommendation if they're a friend, they're not coming to you for a recommendation of like, hey, tell me something you liked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're saying, tell me something I would like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? But Netflix's entire business is revolved around the recommendation engine. You know, that has been a, like, that's the thing. It's about uh, suiting tastes and whatnot. I will say, my, my, I take the greatest pleasure in becoming a trusted source for somebody for movies and then, then just sort of like pushing it a bit. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, did you you like you kind of like the wildness of a certain type of movie? You may, in fact, like Infinity Pool, even if it may not sound like your deal. And when somebody enjoys something, I recommend like that's a push. You that feels more fulfilling than you anything. have to gradually introduce yeah. it. Like you're slowly putting arsenic in someone's food, basically, <laughs> right? You, you have to gradually it's the IOK uh-huh. powder of movie recommendations. You have to. You have to oh, you like a. Uh, uh, you know, you like this, uh, the Chris Evans, you know, spy thriller ghosted, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps try Brandon Cronenberg's possessor, you know? <laughs> oh, you like Brandon Cronenberg's possessor? Perhaps try infinity. But, you know, it's gotta be a gradual ramp up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like that to be real stealth introducing horrifying films into someone's diet. That's great. Yeah. Great approach. You like hotel for dogs. How about, uh, how about sky rise? <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Davindra is ultimate, in rare form. The ultimate today. Good reference. Yeah, good reference. Okay, it. so uh, so yes, we're not knowing- Skyrim. What was that called? The the big the, the crazy the Ben Wheatley the Ben Wheatley that wasn't Skyrise. Uh, high rise. High rise. High rise. High rise. Yes. The the Ben Wheatley high rise was Tom Hiddleston. Um, terrible film. Not <laughs> terrible. Did not like it. The yeah, other yeah. thing. But if you're into Hotel for Dogs, you might. <laughs> what about Hotel for Dogs, but for people? Yes. <laughs> Right. Uh, so yes. The, know, the, know your audience. That's important. Go know ahead. your <laughs> audience is 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 the job, it, mm-hmm. and that's the joy. I I I totally appreciate what Devendra's saying about 
pushing people, kind of like gradually nudging them outside of their comfort zone. But the joy is, oh my God, I mm-hmm. just saw, saw something that Devendra would love. And I get yes. to, I, I yes. just saw something that is totally in Dave's wheelhouse. This is amazing. Like that's the joy. The joy isn't, well, I certainly liked something, so I'll blindly recommend it to my friends. That's mm-hmm. that's not the job. In in terms of other tips, I would uh, so something I do is I ask people, uh, you know, people occasionally come to me for movie recommendations because mm-hmm. they because they know what I do, and I will ask people what emotions do you want to experience like what <laughs> what are you what are you looking for like oh, oh uh-huh, I, uh-huh. i'd like dave, something that's happening dave gives life. you a 50 page questionnaire to fill out before he will uh-huh. re- recommend okay, a film what, oh, because, like, what are you because in the mood for one question jeff yes what? therefore it's a 50 page questionnaire Ex- explain your emotional state to me as succinctly as possible so what I can are you understand. in the mood for is the human way of saying that of like <laughs> right. inputting your emotional state what into emotions my algorithm are you hoping you know, to what, experience yeah, what, what uh you know like do you want to be do you want to be happy you want something exciting would you enjoy you human thrilled? laughter <laughs> uh so anyway you ask people what they want what, what are they looking for I, I i can't basically there's like six things that had to go wrong mm-hmm. for our listener to recommend uh, Infinity Pool to someone who wasn't going to be receptive. To yeah, it. the first thing and, that went wrong is they watched Infinity Pool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, know know your audience, but also like what what is the what is the recommendee looking yeah, for? You right. know, and and then ca- calibrate your thing accordingly. Also, I always recommend people uh, look at other signals. You know, like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, Cinema Score. Like, uh, does your does your do your friends taste align with Cinema Score? You know, if so, maybe Cinema Score is a better recommendation engine than you choosing Alex Garland's Men. You know, like I, I anyway. So know your audience, um, know uh, like kind of what they're looking for, and also uh, potentially use other signals to recommend things for them, like other signals that may be more accurate than your taste uh, is what I would recommend. So uh, all that said, how often does this actually happen, Jeff? Do you get do you get like requests for movie recommendations uh, on yeah, the reg? Like yeah. frequently, yes. yes. And you guys do too, I assume. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. with Almost some regular. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it's, it's all about, I mean, I am the, the king of caveats. I will, right. <laughs> you know, oftentimes a movie recommendation request will be phrased in a way that makes you, that tempts you into doing what our emailer has done. It, they will be phrased it like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah. No you one know? wants no one wants that. No one no. wants to know. They don't actually you... want they don't actually want to know the weird movie that tickled your particular fancy. You know, you can bring it up. You can say, oh man, mm-hmm. I saw Infinity Pool. It was wild. But what you really want to see is Wonka. That's really <laughs> exactly you, know, you don't want <laughs> any Infinity Pool. Right. right. You can yeah. you can share your experience, but but you know, I am the king of caveats. I will say, well, you know, I watched Infinity Pool. It's not for everybody. I don't know if you like it. It's very uh, strange and out, you know, people at the end of last year, it was very common. I would go to gatherings, uh, you know, I'd go to a Christmas party here or a family meetup there and people would be like, what was your favorite movie of the year? And I'll say anatomy of a fall, but (laughs) I don't know if you will like anatomy of a fall, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, that was my favorite movie of the year. I think it's amazing. You know, beware, it's, you know, it's got some, it's mm-hmm. not in English all the time. You know, the things you have to say to get people prepared. That's the job. That's the yeah. job of recommending. Yes. Well, anyway, 
thank you for the email, Fi, and we are hoping that you take our light-hearted criticism not too deeply. Uh, but also, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, if we let it, you know, if we took it personally whenever someone didn't enjoy <laughs> any of our recommendations, we would have stopped doing this podcast. We wouldn't be yeah. friends anymore. 749 yeah. episodes ago, <laughs> You know, yeah. so... Anyway. You should see the texts when Dave recommends a movie to me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, I highly recommend you watch this. You uh -huh. will probably not like it, and you may be angry at me. But here, no. I bought it for you the on last, iTunes. The last, well, the last one I recommended that I felt a little bad about was Ebelin from, from Sundance. Yeah. Mm. And, no, that was uh, good. And I, yes, I, I did started it. I started it. I started that text. I said, Jeff, do you want to watch something emotionally devastating? That that is I didn't even say I didn't say anything about the movie. I didn't say it's good. I didn't say I yeah. loved it. I said And then after do I said no, I do not, he said, Well, this movie will do that to you. You should probably watch it. <laughs> anyway. All and right. And five minutes in the movie, I texted him and I went, I can't I don't know if I can do this. But I did, and it was very good. All right. Anyway, thank you. You can keep the emails coming into slash film cast at gmail.com. Good luck, Fi. Let us know uh, if things change as a result of this segment on the podcast. <laughs> We'd love to hear about it. All right, let's get to what we've been watching, folks. It is time for what we've been watching. There's a bunch of stuff we want to talk about today. Uh, I will mention that uh, I watched the number one movie on Netflix this week. Always a good choice. Called mm -hmm. Lover, Stalker, Killer. <laughs> Just... Just crowdsource your viewing yeah. to Netflix. That's it's what I It's also like uh, the title of this is basically Netflix, Netflix keywords, right? Lover, <laughs> comma, stalker, comma, killer, comma. Are you going to for all three all at once? It's amazing. This is you incredible. This is the naked algorithm. <laughs> so true. This is a documentary about, uh, you know, I, I'm going to try to keep it light on the details. Uh, here we go. Um, uh, I'll read the plot summary from Netflix. In this twisting documentary, a mechanic tries online dating for the first time and meets a woman who takes romantic obsession to a deadly extreme. <laughs> and uh, oh man, I, I will say there's a couple like big twists in this documentary. Which, by the way, they they exp they explain up front. Hey, there's going to be some big twists in this thing. You know, um, this is a perfectly enjoyable way to spend 90 minutes if you are a true crime fan. I would say. Uh -huh. But it's a very weird documentary because there's so much stuff that this documentary does not go into uh, where I'm just like in, in, in any of it, like there's a reason why a lot of these true crime things are, you know, six part, 10 part series. It's because there's so many details to explore about what happened at every single phase of this, this case and all, you know, uh, what happened at this phase of this person's life and so on. And a lot of that stuff is just glossed over in favor of. This is a, a wild story you would hear someone tell at a bar, basically, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. in documentary form. And it's well put together. It's glossy. It's, like, well-directed. The interviews are are good. Um, With a title like that, how can you go wrong? You know? it, but I'm just kind of like, what is, you know, uh, it, anthropologically, I'm just trying to understand what is it about this movie, about people. Uh -huh. It's not like these people are famous, right? It's not like they're, this is a very well-known case. It's just some dude. It's just some guy who like ended up in this case. And it's like, are we now we are in a situation where, you know, uh, and I guess we, we all knew this already. We're in a situation where any person who goes through something extraordinary 
um, they can get their movie, mm-hmm. uh, they can get the story seen by like millions of people. And, and I'm not saying they're not trying to do that or anything. They're not trying to be famous. But I'm there just are saying, people making documentaries who are out there looking for these stories. Right. Absolutely. Like people want absolutely. to tell stories like exactly. this because they know true crime is a thing. So I'm wondering, how does that cycle work? You know? Yeah, I, I think, think uh, I, I think this yeah. is part of that cycle we're in right now, which is that Black Mirror uh, kind of did that in the last season, to be honest, like talking about this sort of thing. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. it's an example of just some random guy going through mm-hmm. an extraordinary situation, and then getting a ninety minute documentary made out of it. And now that documentary is the number one movie on Netflix. You know, like it's, so uh, it's, this it's, is not not to make light of this whole situation, but it feels like we are we are just like seconds away from an actual serial killer pr- making their own documentary and releasing it online as their own story. Mm. You know, like I think there was just that, wrote the next Netflix movie. That's probably yeah. what's going to happen. Netflix uh, Netflix going to buy those rights, you know, mm-hmm. pay that guy while they're in prison. But listen, there was that horrifying story about the kid who decapitated their own father, you know, and live streamed it and it was on YouTube for 6 hours. That's true crime. Yeah. That is true crime, you know? Yeah. So it's like when when does this end? Is kind of my my thinking. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I think don't it know. will because it's so like there have been. So it's going to happen. A serial killer will ultimately produce their own thing. Like it's going to be wild. Ugh. They're a yeah. serial, ki- serial killer, but they really want to be a producer. They really want to be a producer. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, isn't Hollywood right. really about being a bloodthirsty, yeah, you know, psychopath? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So anyway, well, yeah. To, uh, to be clear, none of that is happening in this documentary. But I, I agree with Devendra's assessment. That something like this being so popular is indicative of a trend, and that trend is probably not going anywhere good. So it's gonna it's but, gonna get worse and worse. Yeah. That said, interesting movie. If you want a, a sort of uh, like, hey, you, you want an interesting story for ninety minutes? It's like, hey, it's not a, not a terrible way to spend time, but it's not like I would I wouldn't describe it as a great film or anything because there's a lot that it leaves out, and I don't really think it's about anything. You know, I don't really think it's <laughs> it's not about anything. No, no, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's just like, oh, this is a good story. A bad it's, date. It seems like a bad date. But it's not like, oh, they're, wrong. Yeah. They're, like, that, that's the thing. When, I, when I'm trying to, whatever thing I make next, it's like, you don't want to just be like, oh, that's a cool story. You want it to be about something. You want it to right. say something. And I don't, yes. I don't know that it's saying anything. It's just, hey, it's a, wow, what a wild story. That's what it's saying, you know? So Lover, anyway. stalker, killer, Taylor, soldier, spy. Yeah. Lover, <laughs> stalker, killer. On Netflix, that's one thing I've been watching this week. Divin your hardware. Hit us up with something you've watched. Sure. Well, I finished The Curse because you guys love The Curse so much. So I, I kind of made my th- way through that over the past few weeks amid all the Vision Pro work and everything. And I have to say, <laughs> I am go. a little baffled by <laughs> how much you guys love the show because the show itself is a mess. Like, talk about a thing that does not know what it wants to say, I guess is the thing. Like, I think... The Curse is a 10-episode series, and I feel like half the time, I'm just like, get on with it, because it is saying the same thing over and over again. I will say, though, Jeff, you you really praise the finale, and I think the finale is at least interesting in terms of like what it does, and we'll we'll talk about a full spoiler thing of The Curse in, uh, in the After Dark for this week, but the finale is interesting, but even then, it's like, okay, so that was a really cool idea. How does that connect to anything else? Like, what, what did you make me sit through? To get to that finale. I don't feel like the curse really justified that, but I do yeah, think the finale, the structure of the finale is kind of cool. Dave and I did m- mention that you could probably just watch the finale as a standalone yeah. piece yeah. of that's, art. That's, not a, that's a sign yeah. of a bad show. Yeah, that's not, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk more about it. We'll, we'll yeah. talk more about it. I, I, so the curse, 10 episodes. They're all pretty much close to an hour long. 
Yeah. I'm seeing people on here complaining about the pacing of True Detective season, you know, four, which <laughs> yeah, is six episodes, five. six <laughs> episodes of like gold, just giving you great character work and moving the plot along. I I don't know. I don't know about this show, guys. Mm. All right. Well, the curse is cursed. We'll talk more about it. We'll do, we'll do a little spoiler section yeah. in this week's After Dark about the curse uh, season finale. I was but saying, you could, before, just yeah. watch the finale. I do think you can watch the first episode, then watch the yeah, finale. Watch if you, I agree. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great way to experience the curse. That's a movie length. Yeah. Watch, watch the first episode and then watch the finale. That is completely acceptable way to, mm-hmm. of, of watching the show. It's acceptable. Um, I think there's good stuff throughout, but oh, yeah. we can, we'll get into it. Jeff, I, love the show. I love the yeah. show. So I'm a huge fan. Um, I, w- I would love if you want to try to be about something, then be about something. Rather than be touching on 10 things and not really say mm, mm. what you're really about. Like to me, that is a little more infuriating. But yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's the curse. It is streaming right now on Paramount Plus. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've watched. Well, I checked out a movie on Hulu uh, because I like Jake Johnson. I think we all do. I know Devendra likes Jake Johnson. I love Jake Johnson. I need to see this movie. We're big but, Jake Johnson yeah. fans over here. Love him. He should be a bigger star. Agreed. Yes. Yeah, I tried really... to convince my wife to watch this movie with me, and then she watched the trailer, and then she said, I'm not watching that movie. It also me. seems totally up her alley, too, Jeff. Or well, Dave, yeah, you know? yeah. it is. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't watch trailers, so I just jumped yeah. in because it had J- it, J- yeah. Jake Johnson. Johnson's directorial debut. Written mm-hmm. and directed, I Written think. and yeah. directed a, a movie, and obviously he called in a bunch of favors because there's a lot of famous mm-hmm. people in it. And the movie's uh, called Self-Reliance, just to be clear. Is, yes. So, Self-Reliance is the name of this movie. It is on Hulu now. It is a scant one hour, 25 minutes. So that also made me go, hey, I'll give this a shot. You know? Um, hard for me to recommend anyone watch this. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Brutal, Jeff. Poor, poor Brutal. guy. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's not great. Um, I had to force myself to finish it. Just because I was like, is there going to be anything at the end that makes this worthwhile? And the answer to that is nope. Um, So I would like to spoil the premise of this movie. It's in the trailer. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I don't know how much. I don't know what's in the trailer. I haven't watched the trailer. But I I will tell you this. So that the idea of this movie is there's this kind of loser dude, down in his luck guy who was in a long, long term relationship and got out of, you know, was was kind of dumped. And he doesn't have much to live for. And someone approaches him. Andy Samberg, the actor Andy mm-hmm. Samberg, approaches him in a limousine uh, because he's hired by some shady, nebulous corporation, company, organization, whatever, that is doing a dark web reality show. A dark web reality show where, uh, and they ask him if he wants to participate, where uh, people will be trying to kill him for 30 days. And if he can stay alive for 30 days, he wins a million dollars. There are no, he, he will be recorded on cameras that he can't see that are hidden. He will never know where anybody is. There may be people from multiple countries coming at him. They may never even find him. Who knows? But he's got to stay alive for 30 days uh, and he gets a million dollars. The key caveat here that make that hint the hinge upon which this entire movie pivots is that the assassins will not kill him if he is around someone else if he is in close proximity mm-hmm. to someone else because they don't want to have any collateral damage mm-hmm. they will murder him but they don't want anybody else to get accidentally catch a stray bullet or some such thing. So if he is 
really close to someone, they will not kill him. They will not attempt to kill him. So this character decides, what will I do? I'll just be really close to someone for 30 days. Done and done. Easy million. Well, his family thinks he's nuts. They don't want to be around him. He can't do it. So some family. So it's some family. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of humorous how they just like uh, abjectly, you know, <laughs> reject his. They bring up all these other times. So the key element to this movie is you kind of never know if this dude is really experiencing this or if he is sort of having a psychotic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so tiny spoiler, w- what happens is he puts out an ad on Craigslist trying to find out if anybody else is, is on this dark web reality uh-huh. show. And he meets up with Anna Kendrick, who says she's also being hunted by the shadow spot, the shadow assassins. And their grand plan is they will be around each other so as to prevent the murdering. Which feels like a bad plan, you know, based, makes based on no the damn sense, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> they're both in the, they're both, they're trying to be killed. They're trying to assassinate <laughs> both of them. So why does being around each other change anything? It makes no sense. <laughs> The whole point is like they don't want to kill anyone they're not trying to kill. They're trying are, to kill both of those people. Are you sure yeah. it's they don't want to kill anyone they don't want to, they're not trying to kill? That is or, the explicit or, or mm. is it they don't want to uh shock anyone, you know, offend their delicate sensibilities by killing someone in front of them because that would make them feel bad. They just just kill both of those people. But but win-win. Like they'd feel from, bad that one of them witnessed the other one. Anyway, okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. It makes no the sense. Point, the, point, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is this is such a, a laborious, clumsy, strained way to get two people to get close <laughs> to each other for 30 days and fall in love. You know, it's the, it, it literally is – it couldn't be more, uh, you know – contrived right it is the the most contrived way to force two people that wouldn't have been around each other to be around each other right and of course we know where the movie is going after that but there is some fun in it there is some there are some goofy turn like he you know some things he tries to do some interactions with other people that are kind of funny and fun Overall, this movie I think is a is a total failure, and it bums me out because there's a whole lot of people in it that I like. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned at the top, fan of Jake Johnson, want this dude to be a bigger star. Love that he's like making projects for himself to star in. This just felt really dumb and ineffective, and it, it just, I, you know, there's there's some twists at the end that that you can see coming a mile away. It is not well executed in my opinion uh hard for me to recommend self-reliance to anybody yeah my wife started watching this and she's also a big jake johnson fan and she was like "Uh, it's it's kind of nothing so that's why i have not seen it go back and watch new girl everybody he's great new girl he's great he's great watch that one episode of uh of the whatchamacallit the video game show video game show what is that called 
It's a good question. Yeah. Watch that. I don't, He's I don't even know what you guys are talking about. The, the video Apple game TV show one. from the, the It's TV Always TV Sunny one. People. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mythic Quest? Mythic, Mythic Quest. Quest. He's Thank really you. good in that. He's so um, good. Oh, yeah. The New Girl with Prince is always a fun one to see because I know how much you love Prince, Jeff. Yep. Yeah. Great song in that. Yep. All right. That's Self Reliance. Fall in Love Tonight. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> That's self-reliance. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more what we've been watching right after this. All right, folks. I had a chance to see Dicks the movie. This is streaming right now on uh, Max, the one to watch for HBO. This mm. is an A24 film. Uh, have you guys heard about this movie? <laughs> yes, I've been meaning Dicks, to watch it forever. Or, or Dicks the musical. I apologize. Dicks the Dicks, musical. Dicks the it, musical. Had, it had a pretty great trailer. So I was like really down with it. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, this is one that I wouldn't recommend that our listener, Phi, the one who wrote into Slice from Court, recommend to his friends. Okay? Mm. Uh, the movie is based off of an off-Broadway musical called Fucking Identical Twins, is the name of the musical. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they didn't want to have that be the name of the movie, so they that called it... That could be it really Dix- read multiple ways, too. It yeah. really can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of trying to suss but, it out right now. All of which would be accurate, by the way. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh, so... Anyway, uh, Dick's the musical. Uh, I I can't even really describe the plot of this thing except to say that it is completely deranged, is unhinged and deranged is how I would describe it. It is uh, <laughs> sometimes very very funny, sometimes very very bad, always random and weird, uh, and definitely an original work. You know so. I cannot recommend this to anyone, but I also had a decently good time watching this movie. Um, I, I, I would say uh, definitely do not watch this movie unless you are really into musicals. You know, like it, I think it, that, it's right in the title; it's not right. hiding it. Like if the you're other really, in, it's by the director of Borat, Larry Charles. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of written like a Book of Mormon, where, where like you clearly know that the person who made this loves musicals, like knows the form. And is kind of satirizing, like parodying the form in some ways. Uh, but yeah, there is just um, really random stuff happens throughout the whole thing. And I, I, I thought it would be, you know, I, I wanted to compare this to like Barb and Star, which is a movie I know you guys really liked. But yeah. it is way more random than that, I think. Like it's way more <laughs> out there and mm-hmm. unhinged than that movie. Is it funny? Um, I, I thought it was funny at times, you know? Mm-hmm. There are some sequences that I thought were really hilarious and then some that I felt really dragged on and, and uh, you know, because they, they like have these like extended bits that go on for a while. Right. And so uh, some of them are some of them hit, some of them don't. But uh, I thought the, the music is really enjoyable. Like the songs are uh, are really enjoyable. You know, it's like let's take a, a classic Broadway song and make it upsetting or make it weird or make it random. And I think like they, they succeeded that. So I had a good time. I do not think I can recommend this movie to anyone though. So, uh, but I wanted to mention it because it's a, it's an A24 film and it is now streaming on max. The one to watch for HBO. It's Dick's the musical. All right. Devendra hit us up with something you've been watching. Sure. I want to talk about out of darkness, which is a movie in theaters now. And this is a 2022 British horror thriller that has a really great premise. I think you guys will both like it. It's a, it's a prehistoric horror film. It's a film hmm. about a group of um, prehistoric humans who have reached a new world, uh, you know, seeking food and shelter, like a, a better life. They are starving. 
they're in a new place where they can't find food. Everything seems a little weird. And then, then something is in the dark, picking them off one by one. And that's essentially it. That's the setup. And this is a debut feature by Andrew Cumming, who's done a bunch of TV work. I think it's a really effective uh, survival horror film. It's also shot entirely in a made-up language, too, which is kind of cool. Uh, they made this language called Tola, which is sort of a mix, uh, I believe, of like Basque and Arabic. So you will hear like sounds that sound similar to things you've heard. But it's entirely made-up language. The cast really commits to it. It feels like they're saying words they actually know and actually have meaning to it. So I find that aspect of it pretty cool. It also has something to say, like talking about a project, you know, that, that that is trying to say more than just be a typical slasher movie or something. I think it has something to say about humanity and like our impulses and our fears and how those drive us. And this is also just a really well-made horror thriller. I think people will enjoy it. So it's in theaters now. It's called Out of Darkness. It was previously called The Origin when it uh, debuted in 2022. Um, I think it's really good. This is going to be one of those like sleeper uh, streaming hits, I think. And it, it's it's in theaters, though. So it's worth seeing if you can. Yeah, that sounds really mm-hmm. intriguing. Um, you guys will love this. Yeah, I'm looking forward, to, looking forward to checking it. How did you watch it, by the way? Do you mind if I ask, Avenger? Uh, it is in theaters near me. I saw a screener of it. Gotcha. So I got pitched about this a long time ago, but I did remember seeing their early reviews on horror sites that really uh, praised this movie, too. Dread Central, a whole bunch of folks really liked it. So I think it's worth watching. Check it out if you can. All right. Uh, Jeff Kanata, why don't you take us home with the final what we've been watching here? Uh, my anime journey continues, boys. Yeah. I'm doing Woo! it. Um, still enjoying that Crunchyroll subscription. And uh, I checked out uh, an anime that is, I, I believe what they do is it, they call it simulcasting. They're actually, mm-hmm. it's it's premiering in Japan. And then they're, they show it on Crunchyroll shortly thereafter. Is that yep. how that works, Devendra? Typically, yeah yeah. 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 So this is a show called Solo Leveling, which... If you are someone that plays video games and particularly uh, role-playing video games, role-playing games or MMOs even Mm -hmm. more specifically, uh, you will know that term. Solo leveling means, hey, I got on by myself and I'm trying to level up my character. Uh, And that's what this anime is about, basically. Uh, This anime, the concept of it is that uh, we live in modern times. The setting is in modern times, but... Um, there are gates and monsters, uh, in those gates, dungeons, they call them. And people delve into those dungeons and, uh, go in and get loot that is valuable. I mean, it is very, very much video game logic applied to a mm-hmm. fantasy world. Uh, and the dungeons are, uh, tiered S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, D E. Uh, and so are people, there are people who woke up with, uh, crazy uh, magical powers, but those powers can be categorized and tiered. And so there are S tier people, humans who are supreme badasses and can do awesome stuff. And they are the only people that can tack S tier or A tier dungeons. Um, and uh, then there are people all the way down to E tier, which is our main character. Our main character is... Uh, known as the least powerful superhuman <laughs> on earth. The, the, he's this the is the lowest premise of so many shows. The two right. is kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, we, the, the little emo boy who uh, he's just trying real hard and he just wants to be good at th- things, but he's, he's the lo- least powerful one. Well, the twist that happens in the second episode 
is that uh, something crazy happens to him and he starts to be able to level up. Nobody else can. If you are an S tier, if you are a D tier, whatever tier you are, you're stuck in that tier. You can never transcend your ranking, except this kid can all of a sudden. And it literally becomes his life is has video game logic. Like he does, th- like he literally sees a screen that only he can see. And that screen asks him to do quests like a hundred pushups or a hundred sit-ups. And as he does them, he gets rewards and he'll get skill points, strength, vitality, agility, intelligence. And he decides where those go, uh, where he wants to uh, apply those points and they actually affect his real body. This would change working out. You know, if you could right. do this, if you just like, oh, guaranteed yeah. you do a hundred pushups, you get a point. Yeah. Put that you can put somewhere. that point in strength or intelligence, wherever you want to put it. That's awesome. um, so it, I would only recommend this, uh, the show solo leveling. If you are a fan of video games, but as a fan of video games, uh, it's pretty fun because it's, it, it imagines what if the most, you know, the most conventional video game tropes applied in real life. Mm-hmm. What would that be like? And it's kind of fun. I will say the animation is stellar. The the fighting, the the combat sequences, the action in this show are awesome. It is very violent. It is very bloody, but it is very fun. Uh, when when the action breaks out, it is always really well done. I think, and I mean, it really adopts all of the things that you expect from an MMO. If you are, if you play World of Warcraft or any other MMO, I mean, literally, it talks about people like. It, it, it talks about them as they are tanks or healers or DPS. It, you know, it talks about uh, an inventory system. I mean, it really is. Let's just do a love letter to video games. And if you are inclined to enjoy something like that, I think you'll have a lot of fun with solo leveling. I certainly am. It's um, there are only six episodes on Crunchyroll now. I believe there are going to be 12 episodes total with season one. Uh, I have watched all of them so far. And, Devinder, maybe you can help me out with this because it's uh-huh. um, it was surprising to me. I, you may uh, judge me, but <laughs> um, I would never watch a live action show in another language, uh-huh. not in its native language. Animation, I have a completely different opinion about. I will watch huh. a dubbed animation because I feel like it's dubbed anyway. Like either way, it's dubbed. Oh, right? Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Uh, I yeah. judge me, but I I enjoy the English dubs, especially if they're well done. Uh, they've, got, they've gotten so much better. They're yeah. so much better than they used to be. I watch, especially like for the mainly like the Miyazaki stuff, the English dubs are all really good because I have to watch with my kids that way. But Jeff, yeah. like you got to just try the subs because the thing about voice acting in Japan is that it is, I think, a, it has been an art form for a long time. Whereas I think in America, it's great. Like there are people who are really good at it, but it has never been championed. In the way, you know, I don't think it's ever been like uh, heralded as much as it is in Japan and uh, throughout anime. So it is worth watching a lot of these shows, especially if I recommend classic stuff to you. Um, I'm glad you're joining. I'm glad you're liking the show. I I love this journey for you, Jeff. I have to say, though, the show you need to watch, which was practically made for you, is My Hero Academia, which is the one that kind of twists a lot of superhero tropes all on each other. Also about kid who had nothing. Yeah. Who all of a sudden gets a lot of something 
yeah and how that works is uh is really interesting but also it's a great narrative lots of twists great character design so as a superhero fan you'd like that and also you gotta watch capo bebop that is the that's right. the thing you adding those to the list adding those to the list yeah. my hero academia and cowboy bebop but the, the reason i bring this up uh this whole dubbing issue is that the first four episodes mm-hmm. of solo leveling on crunchyroll have english dubs and the last two do not they only have subtitles mm. so i have watched the show both ways mm-hmm. um and uh you know i don't mind the the subtitles i just i don't know for animation mm-hmm. i it, it, i think by the way i will say the english dub of solo leveling is really well done that's good. very very well done we we used to have to accept scraps yeah in the 90s, i get that you know? yeah. yeah um so i think the modern stuff the new stuff and especially because they have a market here for it you know with Crunchyroll and other outlets and especially you know the stuff on uh, netflix is also really well done the english right. dubs are really well done uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah go ahead jeff go, go ahead, ahead. No, Dave, well, you- i was gonna say i was gonna say that when we were growing up like most dubs were terrible right, right. and mm-hmm. uh netflix i think has really led the way in terms of committing what i assume are millions and millions of dollars to making high quality dubs in lots of different languages for most of their original shows. That's true. Yeah. I, but I think the uh, anime so, industry as a whole, like when it comes to English has, it has made huge strides in the last 10 years alone because Crunchyroll exists. And, you know, a lot of these companies have been around and have blown up, uh, blown up quite a bit since yeah. whatever they were in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So basically in earlier, David Chen would say like, never watch the dub, mm-hmm. but like I've mm-hmm. really softened on that in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I also think it's it's kind of odd. I wonder if they're just behind on the dubbing. Why why would those two episodes not have dubs? <laughs> yeah, take it. I mean, if they're yeah. doing a simulcast, like this stuff yeah. must be coming in super hot. You know, like yeah, they may be doing it like batches of four too. at a time or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're into dubs, though, uh, you got to watch Cowboy Bebop Jeff because that okay. is the best dub right. of of honestly any anything I've ever heard. Like the best uh, the dubbing of something that was originally made for a foreign language. It is incredible. And you'll also hear those voices in a lot of dubs now. So those people keep getting work because they're so good. They just sound amazing. Yeah. Uh, I have also want to say I've really been enjoying folks reaching out and recommending anime to me uh, as I'm sort of starting this journey. I appreciate Devendra doing so as well. But please keep those uh, emails and social media posts coming because I, I, yeah. uh, I enjoy it. I'm Very sure cool. Hollywood is also looking like, well, we used up comics. What are we doing now? We're doing movies, and video I guess we're going to do more anime. And like, we got to get ideas yeah. from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Solo leveling on Crunchyroll. It's what Jeff Kanata has been watching this week. All right, let's get to some weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I want to give a shout out to my free newsletter, Decoding Everything at DecodingEverything.com. Check it out. Uh, last night, I wrote about five weird advertising trends from the Super Bowl. Uh, watched <laughs> all the ads from the Super Bowl and wrote about some trends that I noticed. Here's one that's a little weird, uh-huh. I think. Uh, you, know, you know, Jeff, I think you might actually like this one. Uh, movie trailers during the Super Bowl, they now have homework. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. But Watch the full trailer here. I'm old enough gonna, to remember when text something. I'm old enough to remember when a movie studio had the decency to buy an entire 60 second spot during the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you know how now expensive buy, that is. They buy uh-huh. like a 15 second spot, and yeah. then at the end, it's like watch the whole trailer online. I'm like, 
What's what? What was the point of that exactly? It's kind of ingenious. Anyway, like you're there, you're there ad. with your phone. You yeah, know? it's an ad for an ad, and and you know maybe they know they're going to get the earned media online anyway. So you know, yeah. they um, don't have uh, religious organization money. Mm, you know, they can't buy those mm-hmm. two minute ads of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, By the way, yeah. uh, I I posted about this on social media. Uh-huh. If you if if religious organizations. This many of them uh-huh. can afford this many ads on the Super Bowl. Maybe they could pay taxes. I, I would think so. Let's pay. Ta- would be great. Let's, let's be have great. them pay taxes now, please. I don't know, Jeff. I definitely think spending twenty million dollars on those ads is what Jesus would have wanted. Is, mm-hmm. is what I would say. So yeah. you know, uh, agree well, to disagree. It, it really is the best use of that money. Absolutely for the underprivileged. Absolutely. That's how it goes. That's oh, how it goes. Oh, I can't think of any other use. Of twenty million dollars mm-hmm. uh, to help people, other than buying a bunch of ads for your shadowy uh, uh, right wing organization. Make them pay taxes. Make them pay taxes. <laughs> Dave, did you talk about those starry ads being a little uncomfortable? Mm. No, the, the, I didn't. the starry ads with Ice Spice, which yeah, yeah. are kind of everywhere now. I love Ice Spice. She's she's a great artist, but also they're weird and like weirdly erotic. Have you noticed <laughs> yes. that? They are, yeah. The voices, she's like talking to you with the camera, and then the camera, as Starry, is talking back, and it's like deep voice, like mm. deep, almost pornography voice, and then she looks over and sees her ex-boyfriend, which is Sprite, you know, or, or <laughs> other weird. lime soda. It was super yeah, weird. There's a lot of, I'm getting Paula Abdul and the cat music video vibes <laughs> from that whole thing. Yeah. Am I supposed to feel like she wants that animated cat? I, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. It makes well, me feel uncomfortable. Big night, she's, though. Big night for former Parks and Rec cast members. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Jeff Goldblum as well. Uh, all right. DecodingEverything.com. Check it out. Divinder Hardware, hit us up with a weekly plug. Sure. I spent the last week with the Apple Vision Pro. I even flew to New York to shoot a video review of this thing. So go check out my full review at Engadget.com. It's a really interesting device that uh, only crazy people should buy. Um, but you know what? The video is upcoming soon, too. So check that out on our YouTube channel. And Jeff Canella. I do a video game podcast called DLC. Really fun episode this week. Our guest was Vic Hood. Uh, she works for a website called .esports, which is not just an esports website. It's also a video game news site. And we talked a lot, a lot of really cool stuff, including Helldivers 2, which I actually played with Dave Chen this week. We talked a little bit about nice. that experience. It's a fun game. That game yeah. is awesome. That's so yeah. much fun. It's like you're playing Starship Troopers, basically. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. Sure. It's incredible. Exactly. Yeah, so. um, and uh, I also talked about uh, my favorite demos from Steam Next Fest, which is an amazing week. Over a thousand video game demos uh, available to download on on Steam in a week. Uh, so check it out at dlcpod.com. And a huge plug for patreon.com slash film podcast if you want to support this podcast and help to keep it going. Get ad free episodes and exclusive after darks there. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. It's very easy to support us for free. Leave a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts. Or share our content uh, over on YouTube at youtube.com slash the filmcast pod or on Instagram at instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks to everyone who helps to keep this podcast going. Let's get to our review of Lisa Frankenstein. Are you hot burning me? Lisa! Does he have more of a basketball bod or a football bod? He doesn't play sports. I tend to his grave. I talked to him. I wish I was with you. That's really weird, Lisa. Welcome to the Filmcast's review of Lisa Frankenstein. Joining us for this review, 
She is a writer podcaster at slashfilm.com. She's also the host of the podcast This Ends at Prom. BJ Colangelo, welcome back to Hi, hi, hiya. So great to have you here, BJ. Lisa Frankenstein, the latest film by uh, written by Diablo Cody, directed by Zelda Williams. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. Quote, a misunderstood teenager and a reanimated Victorian corpse embark on a murderous journey together to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts. This and feels like it's right in BJ's wheelhouse. This is Absolutely. a this oh, yeah. prom. <laughs> this like, was perfect, just right? built in a lab for me. <laughs> <laughs> or a uh, tanning bed, whatever the case may be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, BJ Colangelo, why don't you walk us through your overall reaction to Lisa Frankenstein? Oh, this is a movie that I have been dying to see ever since it was first announced. But I, I'm i so thrilled that I love this movie. I, it Really, it hits you know all those sweet spots for me. It's a coming-of-age movie. It's got a weirdo goth girl protagonist. It's got Diablo Cody, teen speak. Uh, it's a horror comedy. It's got 80s pastiche. It's very vibrant to look at. It's everything that is going to make me happy. <laughs> So BJ's a big fan of this movie. I got to say, you know, Diablo Cody, I would say is um, she has made a bunch or she has written a bunch of movies from my perception that have been underrated when they've been released. Mm -hmm. And then people will look back on and then say, boy, that movie was awesome. Or we just don't talk about them again, like Tully and Young Adult, which I think are incredible. Tully is so brilliant. Tully is so good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Tully, um, amazing. Yeah, that's a I had completely forgotten about that yes, movie, but that, that, that was, was a, the problem. That young was Adult really, is great. Young that was Adult, young adult is good. Young, young Adult, yeah. I, I, you know, we reviewed that movie on the film cast. Yes. That movie's amazing, right? I think and we reviewed Tully so, as well. I think yeah. we did too. I saw yeah, it for yeah. a review, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Tully as well. And yeah, great films um, and that, that haven't done well at the box office. Unfortunately, Lisa Frankenstein uh, going to add to that list of movies not doing well at the box office. Uh, historically... Bad box office this weekend, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mm-hmm. one of the worst that we've had in the last few years. Uh, very few movies making money right now. Uh, so, yeah, here's the question for Devinder Hardware is, is this a movie that right out the gate uh, you love? Or do you think maybe you're going to revisit it later and enjoy it more or <laughs> none of the above? What do you think? Uh, I will say on paper, just like EBJ, this is a movie that felt like it was being sold to be. Like, I love Diablo Cody's stuff. I feel like... She is one of those people where people just like hear the name and get annoyed about like the things they disliked about Juno at some point. And I love Juno. Juno's a great movie. Shut up. Um, I think Diablo <laughs> Cody is great. Um, even like we don't talk about Ricky and the Flash. Ricky and the Flash. Great mm-hmm. movie. Um, so I like her and I felt like she was also maturing as a writer. Like Tully is such a devastating film. I saw that uh, with uh, with a whole bunch of friends and everybody in that theater was just kind of like laid out by the end of it. Um, I love uh, I love Catherine Newton. Kind of love everybody involved here too. I love eighties music. I love eighties pastiche. Um, I think this is a really great concept for a film, but I don't know what it is. It feels like the editing is off or something. It feels like it has a lot of great elements. I think the script has some great lines that we will I'll mention some in spoilers. And it just feels like the movie is not built around really highlighting some of those things. So the comedy feels weirdly too long. Like it's not as snappy as yeah. you would expect. Like there's a lot of things that just don't kind of congeal properly for me. Um, and th- that's kind of the thing. So I, I feel like I want to love this movie, 
there are many things I do like about it. Cole Sprouse being this weird Frankenstein like monster, I think is is kind of funny. Like he has a great physicality to him. Some of the actors, Carla Gugino kind of going all in as like evil stepmother. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I thought this movie was rough at the beginning, but it really warmed on me as I was watching it. And by the end, I just wish it was tighter. I wish like they hit those comedy, those comedic beats tighter. I wish like some scenes were framed better because it also feels like it feels kind of lazy at times in terms of how it's shot and how certain scenes are structured. It just feels like there's more meat on the bone here, as you'd say. Um, And I feel like the movie doesn't fully take advantage of what the script is offering, what the cast is offering. So, you know, I did like in watching it. I don't know if this will be a movie I'll be revisiting, although my wife may be into it. So I may see it again then. Uh, Jeff, I was going to piggyback a little bit off of what Devinger said about editing, if that doesn't step on anything that you're going to go into. Uh, uh, Okay, or I can (laughs) wait for you. (laughs) Or I can wait for you. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with your thoughts on Lisa Frankenstein. Well, Dave, my thoughts on Lisa (laughs) Frankenstein are best summed up in the form (laughs) of a limerick. All right, let's hear it, Jeff. Let's hear it. The campy enjoyment declines with slowly delivered punchlines. Pick up the pace and maybe replace one of history's most dull Frankensteins. Mm. Mm. Boo, so right, hiss, right. get off the stage. <laughs> it's right in the, it's right in the, see, I, Jeff, I checked mm-hmm. with you. I was like, Thank you. I, appreciate I don't, right don't want to step all over what Jeff's about to say. I agree 100% with every single thing that Devinder said. Literally every single thing. I am in lockstep. <laughs> I think this movie had much more potential than is realized. And I think it's not Diablo Cody's fault. It's Zelda Williams fault. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. this is a, this, this is a directorial failure. In my opinion, Uh, I don't mean to come too down too hard on a specific person, but I do feel like it it is not snappy. It is. uh, This is something I talk about a lot. When we talk about comedies is film comedies rely on editing the joke editing to the joke and knowing how to pick up cues, cut just a second here or a a half of a second there on an edit can be all the difference in having a joke land or not land. And we just linger and linger. And I think the direction of the actors is at fault too, because everybody is, we just pick up the cues faster every line double mm-hmm. the pace of the delivery of every line specifically in the first half of this movie i do agree with devendra i think the second half and in particularly the third act of this mm-hmm. movie is where the most fun is had and we get into some some real goofy fun i mean this movie is it wants to be edward scissorhands it wants to be um i mean it is it is channeling tim burton in a lot of ways and it it really is wants to be a big campy goofy fun time and it almost gets there it basically gets there by the end but it takes so long to get there that i was just already frustrated with how like move move movie please i do think there is one particular gag at the end that feels to me like the entire motivation for the script like i feel like diablo Cody had an idea for one thing and it motivated writing the entire movie yeah Uh, and it's worth it right it's a (laughs) funny joke it's a funny idea but man it takes so long to get there and particularly the first act is just in molasses it feels to me Mm -hmm. and if it had if literally everybody 
was at double the pace and all the editing was trimmed, this movie could have been really funny. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, it just languishes inside its own lo- slow pace. There's one line I could call out outside of spoilers. At one point, uh, Carlo Gugino's like, uh, you, could, you can eat off of my carpet. And it's an yeah. offhanded <laughs> right. line in the background. And it just feels like she's giving you gold. Yeah. Giving, this is so, this is funny. Right. Do you see this is funny movie? And right. it's just like offhanded tech character in the background. And it's like, ah, I could have, we could have had so much more. Yeah. Yeah. The movie is like in this emo place for the first third. And it's just so, it feels so slow to me. And I, it bums me out because I do think you hear the jokes in the, in the script, like you're talking about Da Vinci, mm-hmm. you hear the jokes and they're good. And you go, the movie just didn't, it didn't yeah. highlight that. It didn't, it didn't make those, the execution is where those fail. I feel the same way. This is, this is a case of a film where all the right ingredients are there, right? I, I thought the script is solid. Uh, the movie looks pretty good. The cast is great. And it's really weird to experience a movie that I feel like died in the edit. Like mm. it's very rare where I feel like I watch a movie. It's like, Oh, the, this one aspect is what's wrong with the movie. Uh, like the set dressing is the thing that ruined the movie, you know, like, but I feel that way of, about this movie in the edit. And also to some degree, as Devendra hinted at the shot composition, um, a lot of the shots are take place in a two shot. That is to say, like you see both characters in frame that gives you fewer options for cutting, right? Um, Comedy is often made in timing. There's a reason when you watch like a Jedi Apatow movie and at the end you see like all the bloopers of all the lines that they didn't use in the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's a, it's shot reverse shot. They're cutting back and forth and they're just using like the best takes. Um, a lot of this movie takes place in two shot where you see two characters together on screen. And that is deathly to the movies. Well, no, it can pacing. work. That can right. work. That can work if you direct the actors exactly. Correct. Correct. There's nothing. You're right. There's nothing inherently wrong with the two shot. Let me right. make, mm-hmm. make that clear. Um, but the way that the actors' performances are delivered, it doesn't support what the the you know sort of the directorial choices that were made. What's there. that so, old uh, that old vaudevillian trope? You know, faster is funnier. Right. Faster right. is funnier. See, okay. And, BJ, and go yet, ahead. I'll, I was like, I'll push back on this though because the thing that people keep bringing up, and I see it obviously, is the Tim Burton you know elements and all of those inspirations. But the sense of humor that this film has is so much more in line with. 80 sex comedies, but specifically 80 sex comedies that we don't talk about. So films mm. like Pretty Smart with Patricia Arquette, where there is just a random for no reason musical number of them like gallivanting around Europe. And it's like, why mm-hmm. is this here? We don't know. Don't question it. There is so much of that sense of humor in here. I also look to like Better Off Dead uh, with John Cusack, where like mm-hmm. characters are, don't feel like they're in the same movie. A lot of the lines end up lingering a little bit too long. And that humor like really resonated Mm. with me once I realized watching this movie, Oh, it's this sort of eighties comedy, like a literal actual eighties comedy, not (laughs) a comedy that happens to be set in the eighties that I could like rewire my brain. And it's like, all right, cool. Now this editing makes total sense to me. And if this is what she's going for, she's accomplishing it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a fair point. I I did have that sense that the filmmaking was trying to channel a bygone era. I, I did totally. have that sense. I just don't think it's, I don't think that is a successful choice. If that yeah. was a choice, then that, it, it just, that didn't work for me. Like I didn't. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's know. totally fair. Like it can not work for you, but also she clearly 
achieved what she set out to do. And it's just going to be a matter of whether or not that is a brand of comedy that you're still going to like click mm-hmm. with. Because even in the 80s, that brand of comedy did not click with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you get I, any like John Waters vibes from it? Oh, yeah. Uh, a yeah. friend of mine and I were mm-hmm. talking about this movie and we said, this is what happens when you grow up watching John Waters movies and then try to make a John Hughes movie, which is <laughs> every script I've ever written. So again, That's this is right yeah. in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, are, are there any other thoughts we have before we get to spoilers? Because there's a, a, a few things that happened in this movie that might be worth mentioning. Um, I, I think like some things I want to point out, like we're bringing up Tim Burton and there are just, there's Edward Scissorhand vibes here, but there's also uh, Beetlejuice vibes. Totally. Especially when it comes to the main character. I think the other thing that kind of kills this movie for me is that it doesn't feel believable in certain respects. Like, um, and maybe this is just because uh, Catherine Newton is beautiful. I think endlessly charming, but I'm like, ah, uh, I, there's nothing about her other than the fact that her mother was murdered viciously and people make fun of it, but <laughs> there's nothing about her that screams outcast. Like it right. feels there, like there, there is a yeah. lot of telling and not showing yeah. with regard, because it was so bizarre because a lot of characters say, wow, this is the most I've heard you speak in a, in like three months. And it's like, she's been speaking, but she's been she's speaking, been speaking the, whole the whole time. Movie. So it's I like, don't, I don't it's, know. it's weird that they, they don't, there's not some montage yeah. to show you like at the beginning, how she doesn't speak. B, we BJ, we never ahead. see uh, Lydia uh, Dietz in school. Right. But you look mm. at her you're like, Oh, that girl's an outcast. Oh, that girl <laughs> is not, is not fitting in with the rest of everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. B, BJ, what did you think of Catherine Newton's, performance as an outcast in this movie, which I agree with Devendra. I also did not buy it all, unfortunately. Oh, I buy it completely. I buy it completely. We see it in the way that everybody around her is acting and how she doesn't act anything like them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get little moments of her not knowing how to do her hair, not knowing how to do her makeup, eating thread. <laughs> like she's doing very <laughs> weird things. But it's not the thing that I like so much about this character is that she's a weird girl who's actually weird she's not weird by googling what's the weirdest character in a movie like she's just genuinely weird her interests are weird and they may not be weird to us because we are also weird people but they are weird to everyone around her i like it when she goes full desperately seeking susan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's that's my favorite (laughs) part (laughs) and they even imply in that like that it's a halloween costume that's a Mm -hmm. weird trait for somebody right yeah no, I get that. I, you know, having uh, kids and and friends with kids even older than mine, um, I, I, you know, I see who gets bullied and who who really has a hard time in school, and it often has nothing to do with their perceived, you know, uh, normalcy or mm-hmm. attractiveness or any of those things that you might think uh, this actress didn't bring. To the, it, it really is. Kids are just cruel. And I mm-hmm. think like your mom died from an axe murderer. Mm-hmm. We're going to be cruel to you like that. To me, yeah. I had no, no qualms. About Except people that. weren't really cruel to her other than that one mean girl, like the girlfriend of the guy she's into. But like, there's no, there's no like oppressive. Oh my God. High school is a hellscape for this girl. She's just like, she's in, she's insular. She's clearly like dealing yeah. with a lot. Like, I just feel like more could have been conveyed. It, it, it felt like yeah. the, the movie was missing like two to three scenes kind of setting the scene where like you know where you can see how she operates normally we get the party scene at the beginning but like that's not a normal situation you know so people are like why the hell are you here 
Right. You know, right. there's no like visceral yeah. get this person out of this party vibe. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I also I don't think that that's who she's supposed to be. I don't think this is like some mm-hmm. underdog story we're supposed to like champion. She's not Carrie White, you know, like that's not who this character is. And I like the fact that she's not this like complete total outcast that mm-hmm. she does have people trying to kind of bring her into the fold because again that is also an archetype that we don't see very often we don't get the girl who's just outside the margins not because she's like this complete social outcast but just because there's something a little off about her she's not you know wholly invisible she's not invisible girl by any means but she's also not popular she's just there she's just you know, I think they refer at one point in the movie to people as being like a not pictured. She's a not pictured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just recedes into the background. I think. Yeah. Yeah. She just exists. The actress, the actress who plays her sister, by the way, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I was oh, like, what, say, a, what a great character. What fun. And she's just like, really? Yeah. Is into the Taffy everything. character is yes. really another, I think, kind of original creation that you haven't really seen anymore that kind totally. of like mm-hmm. subverts expectations of right. what that trope is. I think it's very fun. Liza Soberano, I believe, is yeah. Is, Liza uh, Soberano, Filipino yeah. superstar. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, she, and, she's and awesome. The character yeah. is interesting because it, like, she's like the most decent human in the whole thing until yes. she isn't, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, folks, uh, why don't we do spoilers for Lisa Frankenstein? So let's get to spoilers for Lisa Frankenstein starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. This movie does have an irresistible premise, which is uh, they need to recover body parts for this guy from other living humans. Uh, and they need to kill them along the way. And uh, the people they kill are bad. And so uh, it's fun. The audience can kind of root for that a little bit. But I will say, um, you know, question for you, BJ Colangelo. Like, how effectively do you think this movie blends the horror versus the comedy aspects? Oh, this to me is a comedy that happens to have elements of horror. There's not you know, spookiness in this movie. Uh, It's horror in the sense that there's like gothic elements to it. Um, But this is a, to me, this is a lot like a, I don't want people to take this out of context, but it feels to me like how Shaun of the Dead is a comedy movie that happens to be about zombies. This Mm -hmm. is a comedy movie that happens to be about dismembering and sewing on body parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the movie's not like particularly scary or it's not trying to be scary. No. But some of the kills are like, you know, the the Carla Gugino kill I think is pretty appropriately gruesome. Um, And I thought she was awesome in this movie. It was great to see her in Fall of the House of Usher. Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed her as well. Um, And then seeing her in this playing a somewhat similar character uh, <laughs> it was was a blast. So yeah, I uh, I had a lot of questions about um, about the father because he's just like he's, he's letting he's sitting there letting this woman just shit all over his yeah. dog. <laughs> you know, it's like he he's very much the typical. He looks like an eighty sitcom dad, right? Just like with the glasses, right. like. Nothing's going on here. Just yeah, he's, the paper. Uh, he's yeah. the 80s dad. He's Mike Wheeler's dad on Stranger Things. Exactly. Um, and then he yeah. also plays almost this exact character, but in a non-period piece of Assassination Nation. Like Joe oh, Crest yes. was, he, it's like somebody like invented him to specifically to sit behind a newspaper and go, that's nice, honey. Like, that's, nice. <laughs> that's, that's nice. his purpose. But it's yeah. all—it's one of those things where it's also the movie gives me weird vibes too, because people don't feel real, right? Carla Gugino's so evil. 
for no reason. But <laughs> oh, she's dude. so evil. The, my favorite yeah. line in the whole movie, I rushed home and told my wife this line, <laughs> uh-huh. is, is when uh, Taffy is is describing her on, on the phone and we only hear her side of the conversation and she describes her manicure, you know, uh-huh. things that would not help anyone find anyone. And yeah. she goes, and she she wears Elizabeth Taylor white diamonds perfume. Yes. Yes, she's a bitch. <laughs> it's just the funniest. It's the funniest line in the whole movie, in my opinion. Uh, oh, yeah. I love Carla yeah. Gugino's, like, her performance in this. I had a, a friend who was like, I don't understand this character. And I said, okay, well, I need you to take one second. And I need you to think of every mom in Better Off Dead. I need you mm-hmm. to think of every woman in Edward Scissorhands. And <laughs> yes. I need you to think of Shelley Long in Troop Beverly Hills, a movie <laughs> Carla Gugino was in as a child. And wow. now everything's going to make sense for you. <laughs> That's amazing. It totally, it totally clicks. Um, the other thing, you brought up Shaun of the Dead. And I was thinking of like comparisons to this movie. And the thing about Shaun of the Dead is that movie is so tight. It is so oh, yeah. tight about everything, about how every joke lands, about how the messaging and all fits in. And I kept thinking like, man, I wish I was having that here. I wish I were even like the Wayne's World experience, which is a movie that is not as much about tight jokes, but it is edited in such a way that really makes everything move and land. Yeah. Like, I just kept feeling like, ah, there's a better movie here. There's a yeah. better movie here somewhere. Yeah. Edgar Wright's philosophy, uh, this is not, he didn't invent this, but it's a mm-hmm. philosophy he adheres to is uh, you want to get into a scene late and leave early. You know, like, and that's, you, you feel that energy in his movies. Don't know if you really feel it in this movie, but again, as BJ pointed out, maybe yeah. that's not what this movie's trying to to go after, right? Like, um, some of those 80 movies, 80s movies were really shaggy, right? And that's that's maybe what this movie is uh, is imitating. Uh, okay, let's talk briefly about the end of this movie. Uh, I think a guy gets his penis hacked off. In, at the end of this movie, yeah, right? He does. And apparently and he's just dead beautiful. immediately after. He dies instantly. As he you dies do. instantly. Listen, yeah. if he's erect, there's a lot of blood being shoved into one location. You chop that, you're going to bleed out. <laughs> it's got a spray more something. I don't know. Show the work. Show the work. Well, this is not I spit on your grave, so yes. I don't know if we can get away yes. with that in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> but what they do get away with in this movie in it's terms of wild. sexuality in PG-13, very, very impressive. Anything with the Hitachi magic wand, hysterical. <laughs> I was cackling <laughs> like a cartoon witch in the theater about it. Well, the idea that she gets to uh, have sex with her crushes penis <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. she actually makes that happen right she makes gets the penis that she wanted visualize a much nicer person yeah <laughs> yeah i mean were they really not nice though it seemed like uh i, I guess her sister knew that she liked that guy right yeah. so that was bad yeah. but um uh, here's a question is like do we feel like uh, uh the, the only person i felt a little bit bad for was the sister at the end i felt like yeah her she, life is ruined. She, she, her life is ruined. She, she really didn't. The, maybe her sister was a little bit inconsiderate about, her, you know, uh, Lisa's romantic interests. But that does not. The, the punishment did not fit the crime there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, Lisa, um, Lisa killed her mother. And while she's going right. through the grief yeah. process, Lisa's like, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> I, and that is. I think it could have been funnier. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there are movies that make me root for horrible things mm-hmm. that that our main characters do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was having fun by the end, but I at no point thought that Lisa was doing the right thing. Right. right. There's no part right. of me that right. was like, you know, who, what she, what she <laughs> yeah. needs to do is kill more people. You know? Yeah. 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 I think that's right. Um, but yeah, BJ, I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the moral order 
of this film, Lisa Frankenstein. Oh, so for me, I feel like it's foolish to look towards this movie for any sense of morality because Lisa's an unreliable narrator. She's not a good person. Like right. we we establish that pretty pretty easily in the beginning. And so by the time we do have this big moment with Michael and Taffy, you know, she does get a nice message with Taffy where it's like, you know what? You were really nice to me and mm-hmm. you saw me when no one else did. And I appreciate that. But I got to go do this because you are never more <laughs> selfish than when you're an 18 year old. Oh, so, mm. And so I like that the movie leaned into that of like, we're not trying to make Lisa out to be some hero here. She's clearly in the wrong, but that's fine. We're going to hold on to it with both hands that she's wrong. The harder the- thing for me to swallow at the end of the movie was her certainty that she would be able to be brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Because well, that's the invincibility of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. But I, I feel like the movie didn't, for whatever rules the movie is establishing <laughs> for the supernatural stuff, it felt to me like the the initial uh, bringing back to life of our Frankenstein character, mm-hmm. or uh, the monster, I should say, is is a twist of fate, is a quirk, is a lightning strikes, a wish happened. It doesn't feel like it was tied to anything repeatable. Yeah. You know, no real, no real it, rules it, there. It very yeah. much could have been that it could have been established that the heating tanning bed was a magic, you know, had magical ability. What they could have established that it was repeatable and they very much did not. And it felt like, well, she's really taking a bet on the fact that she'd be able to come back to life. And I, I don't know. I, I had a hard time, harder time swallowing that than I think. I, I think the only be. explanation was the tattoo he drew on her arm, which was like electricity. Yeah, just, it's just it's the lightning bolt, the electricity yeah. of the tanning bed. It's basically yeah. like <laughs> the the tanning bed is being used as sort of like a defibrillator <laughs> in mm-hmm. a sense of a word. Yeah, I I know I yeah. I got that. I just felt like what causes him to come back to life and what causes her to come back to life are mm-hmm. two different situations and two different electricities. Yeah, maybe it's a yeah. it's a nit to pick, but it it got to me. The other thing that I couldn't stop thinking about was like, are they going to do anything about the axe murder? Like by the nope. end of this movie? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nothing. Her, her mother was brutally murdered by an axe murderer who escaped. He's out there somewhere. And I do feel like. That was weird. You have I think a, they you don't have live in the su- same town anymore. They've moved. It's true. <laughs> but it is possible story, to drive and try to. You have this creature who is now on your side who has no qualms about killing people. Like, let's start hunting. <laughs> let's 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 like well, why it just isn't a this weird. a Dexter situation? Is the question you know like <laughs> it kind of is it kind of is yeah. a Dexter situation? It feels yeah. very like yeah. Disney princess origin story mm-hmm. to me, where it's like, well, we got to kill one of these parents, and are we going to address it? Nope, it's just sad. It's awful. <laughs> it's just sad. Yeah. Uh, one thing, <laughs> one thing I want to bring up, just in terms of like things that could have been done better in this movie, is that she is home alone, just watching TV, and first of all. This girl does not does not actually seem traumatized about the fact that a, a Max murderer came and attacked her and her mother, you know, while they were home alone. But she's fine being home alone right now, just watching zombie movies. But the creature comes out of nowhere through the window, through like it, it, through a whole like comedy of errors. She ends up following his, his in his arms. And I just feel like there's you got so much meat there. You got so much. You can have so much fun to set that up. To make this like, oh, this is like a home invasion or something. And she has no clue what's happening. And she fully accepts like, oh, you're the corpse of that thing. I always, that grave I always visit. It's like the acceptance is also super quick. It's, it's just kind of funny. I, I 
feel like there's yeah. more. You could have you could have wrestled there. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just I do. I love it. Yeah. I love that it because I miss movies where the rule is suspend your disbelief. I don't care. Like sure. I miss sure. that yeah. so much. How did he end up at her house? How like yes, he has the rosary, but how does he know where she lives? Who cares? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I mean I like that part to- I can understand, but like she's watching a zombie movie and like you have the perfect opportunity to set up the invasion of a zombie movie that's like mirroring what she's watching, which Shaun of yeah. the Dead kind of does at certain points. Ah. I, I think to, yeah, so much more commenting fun. less on believability and yes. more like there's Execution. some there's some dramatic uh, potential that is like maybe or a comedic potential that is potentially unrealized. That said, BJ, I, I kind mm-hmm. of agree with you on the on the believability component. Yes, yes. Um, you know, this is a movie where people use a tanning bed to fuse live body parts to a zombie. It's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not not mm-hmm. a. Not a movie that I felt like uh, was super believable. Uh, also, I wanted to say moral order is not like um, from, this is from something you said 10 minutes ago. But like uh, <laughs> I wasn't trying to say like we should take um, lessons on how to behave from the show. But, but I think like every movie has a moral mm-hmm. order or like, you know, sure. what what we think the, the movie has thoughts on like what should happen or mm-hmm. should should bad people get punished or should they get punished in certain situations? That's what I was asking about. And and I it, think, it like, feels incongruous when a movie doesn't work with that. Like we talked about that scene in Jurassic World yes. where that one like That's PR literally person gets eviscerated for no reason. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know. In, in Jurassic World, there is a character who gets completely annihilated by Just a dinosaur. Brutalized. Yeah. But but for like seem her her crime was very insignificant. And so that's a that's a movie where like yes. the moral order feels out of whack, right? Uh but anyway. Well, yeah, so I, I think the moral order of this movie does feel out of whack because Lisa's out of whack. <laughs> like mm-hmm. her priorities yeah, yeah, yeah. are completely out of whack. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair. One Jeff, thing I want to point out that I appreciated is the uh the symmetry of the oh, no, symmetry is probably the wrong word. The uh poetic justice of the um uh, the body parts that are harvested, like um, the you know, uh, Carla Gudino's uh, doesn't listen, and so she, her ear is lost. Mm. This dude has a gropey hand, so his hand is lost. Other dude is doing bad stuff with his penis, so his penis <laughs> is lost. Like that, I, I liked that yeah. structural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of poetic uh, justice. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Totally. I also love yeah. that every time the creature goes into the tanning bed. He's also hotter when he comes out. I thought that was more normal looking, right? It was like (laughs) such a hilarious thing of like the more tanning that he's getting from the electricity, the more human he's becoming. But really (laughs) it's just like, we can't deny all of these youths who watched a lot of Riverdale seeing Cole Sprouse <laughs> look anything other than beautiful. You got to give us the real Cole Sprouse at some point. Um, right, right. <laughs> other things left on the table. How How is this creature surviving? Is he a zombie that needs human flesh to eat? Because we also see him eating like normal food after a certain point. Just what's going on here with this whole zombie thing? I, you know, I kind of referenced it in my limerick, but I, I do think the, the Frankenstein monster here. His name is, is Frankenstein this time. So, you know, they did it's that on purpose. pretty uninteresting. Like, he's yeah. pretty uninteresting as a character, in my opinion. He, like, the movie is is just not interested in him. It's so much more interested in Lisa, and that's fine. Like, I think Lisa's a much more, you know, worthy subject for the film. But I do think there mm-hmm. could have been more done to make him 
interesting, you know, for like sure. a, as a especially as a, for someone who can't who doesn't speak throughout the course. Yeah. Oh, I right. love is, him. I mean, his backstory mm-hmm. is the animation of mm-hmm. the credits, which I right. thought was very interesting. Of like, mm. we're getting you up to speed. Here's who this character is. Here's how, what his life was like before he died. And I like that we learn about him the same way that Lisa learns about him, where she's talking at him for an entire movie, and then occasionally he has these really beautiful bits of comedy where he's not saying anything of just reacting to her which i really like and i i read mm-hmm. somewhere cole Sprouse went to mime school which i'm like good for you kid like that's good that's a you. great thing to do is go to that's mime great. school i was thinking yeah, I of uh hocus pocus which really oh, makes yeah, us yeah. feel for the boy who is the cat like just like that i felt that as a kid it's like oh that's a little tragic that's just so sad and but in this I instance he's billy butcherton he's billy butcherson yeah. he's not yeah. fat grievings yeah <laughs> it's true all right, folks. Uh, well, I, BJ, I'm super glad you got a lot out of this. Uh, I'm glad you got a like, movie for you. Yeah, yeah. it seems like giving I, your I totally respect I, that. I think that's all. You know, I love it. Well, when a and movie, well, de- well argued, well defended too. Yeah, probably, so. I love it when a movie feels made just for me, and everybody else hates it. You know, that's I. I, I you know, I'm very happy for you. And I will say, I got a, a wonderful text message from my niece, who is 11 years old, and. This movie has sort of like completely reshaped her DNA. She nice. wants to get into wearing more goth clothes. She changed every background on her phone and all the widgets to be Lisa Frankenstein. I sent her dad the link to the score. He's like, well, I got to buy that for her now. So it definitely is <laughs> resonating with people other than myself, which I really like. Um, and it this it, it's a Diablo Cody movie, so it's going to be polarizing. Like the people who really love this are going to champion it, make it their entire personality. And then for everyone else, it's not going to work and that's totally fine and that's why i think that diablo cody is such an interesting screenwriter because mm-hmm. all of her movies seem to feel that way well it does feel like it is modeled after cult classics and so therefore it just feels appropriate that it would become a cult classic it just feels destined to be one yeah yeah, yeah. definitely Well, at the end of the day it is impressive that zelda williams made a movie yes she and did. that's gonna <laughs> indeed indeed that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube at the Filmcast Pod. Uh, we're also on Instagram at the Filmcast Pod and on TikTok at the Filmcast. Patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can uh, support us and get ad free episodes and exclusive access to After Darks. Our weekly plugs, music, and uh, spoiler themes theme come from Noah Ross. Our slash film court music comes from Simon Harris. The theme song of the film cast is by Tim McEwen from The Midnight. This episode was edited by Noah Ross. And uh, before we talk about what we're going to be doing next week, I want to say a big thanks to BJ Calangelo for joining us. BJ, let people know where they can find more of your work on the internet this week. I am on social media at BJ Calangelo. That's just my name. And my podcast, This Ends at Prom, is wherever you can get your podcast. We're also on Patreon. um, And we talk about coming-of-age stories marketed towards or about teen girls. All right. Next week on the podcast, a movie I have been excited for since the trailer was released. Uh, and that is Madam Web. One of our we're, most anticipated films of 2024. We are going to see we how, we are going to see how, first of all, Dakota Johnson is doing an incredible press tour right now. It's so rare to watch an actor do a press tour for a movie that they seemingly hate and 
Yeah. Didn't, she's had experience in. doing that a few times, it seems. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I so, do love she's getting so much credit just for saying the truth in Hollywood. It's <laughs> just like, oh my God, <laughs> Dakota Johnson blowing, yeah. like doing something nobody's else ever done. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, so looking forward to that. L- looking forward to seeing how much. Uh, how much uh, spider goodness Sony can mine out of that IP? You know, like this is really, uh, you know, <laughs> Venom. Uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, in an alternate universe, we would have already had Kraken was uh, or Craven, right? Craven, release the Craven. We would have already had Craven come out, and we would already that would already be like stretching it. But like Craven got delayed, and so this is you know Venom is a very slam dunk movie. This is one that it's like I'm really questioning. Whether or not they should have made this movie, we will be discussing it uh, right here on the Filmcast. So anyway, Madam Web, Dakota Johnson, newest movie, Spider-Man movie. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>